Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 243 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 2 Corinthians 8 today, and our focus is on what the Bible teaches about giving. And at the end, we're going to have a big offering time. Okay, actually, we're really not going to do that, but we are going to dig into the Word of Truth day by day on this daily podcast, reading the Bible one or two chapters a day and discussing it. Welcome to new listeners in Nairobi, Kenya. Queensland, Africa, Parts Unknown, Bangladesh, Parts Unknown, South Africa, Rajasthan, India, Berlin, Germany, Vienna, Austria, Meath, Ireland, Northern Ireland, United Kingdom, Saskatchewan, Canada, Salinas, California, Des Moines, Iowa, New York, New York, Santa Fe, New Mexico, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, and Youngstown, Ohio. Our goal is to get as many people as possible involved in daily Bible listening, understanding, and following, so please do tell your friends and neighbors about the show and family members, and point them to our website, Bible2021.com. That's the best place to subscribe, Bible2021.com. So giving probably not most people's favorite topic. I still remember when I was a kid going to church hearing various adults get moderately upset on Sundays when the preacher dared to preach on tithing or giving. Honestly, seeing people's reaction to that topic when I was younger has made me somewhat hesitant to preach on giving as a pastor. But what has made me even more hesitant is the vast number of I don't know, charlatans out there that just seek to take advantage of people in the guise of trying to get them giving to the work of God. There are many fake pseudo-preachers and teachers out there in churches and on various kinds of media who seem just overly focused on encouraging people to give to their ministries. And I've heard pastors justify personal jets and expensive mansions, most of which were bought with donations. And honestly, that's just terrible. And Jesus condemns that sort of thing, like in Luke 20, 45 through 47, where he says, Beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes and who love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and they say long prayers just for show. These will receive harsher judgment. So a lot of these, you know, fake TV preachers, they get widows and people that maybe lack discernment to send them in money and then they get rich off of that. What does Jesus say? they are going to receive harsher judgment than everybody else for that sort of behavior. That said, the Bible does teach a great deal about giving, and we would be ignoring truth if we avoided teaching on giving. The important thing is to teach what the Word of God says and not to do it for financial gain. So, in that spirit, and because... Our next two chapters, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, are both quite focused on giving. We're going to discuss giving, both today and also Friday, when we will be in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to spend some time in the Psalms, Psalm 51 and Psalm 55. But first things first, we need to differentiate between tithing, which 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 don't really address, and giving, which is the focus of these two chapters. Most Christians, I think, would equate tithing and giving, but they're not the same thing. A tithe is a tenth, 10%. The Old Testament commanded the Jews to tithe in various ways. They would tithe a tenth of their crops and livestock, and they would also give a portion uh, tithe to the Levites and to the poor. Almost always, a Jewish person would give a good bit more than a tenth of their total income or produce in a year. The New Testament 
does talk about tithing, but only a little bit. Hebrews chapter 7 talks about how the Levites collected the tithe. And twice in Matthew and Luke, Jesus challenges the Pharisees with this statement. Woe to you, Pharisees, you give a tenth of mint and rue and every kind of herb, and you bypass justice and love for God. These things you should have done without neglecting the others. And friends, that's the closest you're going to see to a command to tithe in the New Testament. Jesus says in passing that the Pharisees, yeah, they should tithe the tenth of their herbs, but the overall point of what he was teaching is that the Pharisees were following the letter of the law, but they were missing like the major, weightier, and most important commandments of God, uh, the ones concerned with justice and mercy. So are Christians commanded to tithe in the New Testament? The answer is no. Tithing is not a New Testament commandment, but giving is. And I think tithe, a tithe, a tenth is a good place to start. But when I say giving, I don't just mean giving to the church, though that's a good and biblical and expected thing. But giving in general, in our chapters, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, we're going to see several truths about giving that I believe will help us. So let's go ahead and read chapter 8, and then we're going to discuss it. And in chapter 8, Paul is talking to the Corinthians about a collection that he was taking up, not for himself and his ministry, but to go help another group of churches who were in great need. So he's writing the Corinthians because they said they wanted to give to that need, and he's writing them about finishing that desire and turning it into reality. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia during a severe trial brought about by affliction. Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints. And not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urge Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it's a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much and the person who had little did not have too little. Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. We have sent him with the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gracious gift that we are administrating, administering for the glory of the Lord. 
himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum of money that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent them our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent, and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you. So here are five principles on giving that I see in our passage today, and we're going to see even more principles in our next chapter, 2 Corinthians 9. Number one, giving is a privilege. Now, I know that doesn't make sense on the surface, but in the kingdom of God, it does make sense, and it will especially make sense even more when we read chapter 9, and we see God's promise to provide for the giver. Now, reminding you again that this promise is not exclusively about giving to the church, but about giving in general. Some pastors use passages like uh, that we find in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 to manipulate people to give more to the church. And I believe manipulating people to give out of guilt or compulsion, it's anti-biblical. It's against what we're taught in these two chapters. Giving cannot be under compulsion, but it is a privilege to be able to give because God blesses the giver. We see it in verses 2 and 3. Paul says, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify according to their ability that they according to their ability and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Well, principle number two, as I mentioned a minute ago, giving should not be under compulsion, manipulation, or guilt. As Paul says in verse eight, he says, I'm not saying this as a command. We should give. God blesses the generous, but leaders must be ultra careful not to command giving in an unbiblical way. Number three, principle. We give to others because Jesus, our ultimate model, sacrificed all for us and gave himself for us. We see this in verse 9. Paul says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor so that by his poverty you might become rich. Well, we follow Jesus in that kind of pattern in giving. Principle number four, giving should be proportional and giving should help people who have a need. Giving should not leave a person themselves in need. The idea seems to be that Christians should take care of each other so that nobody is in need. We see this in verses 12 through 15. Paul says, if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it's a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. Well, Jesus teaches us that it's not the amount given that's important, but rather the proportion according to what what one has. A widow with barely any money giving a few dollars can be the same in God's eyes as a rich person giving whole piles of money. Final principle, number five. There should be integrity and accountability among those who collect money. Paul goes to great pains in verses 16 through 23 to outline all of the steps and layers of accountability his team is taking in 
collecting an offering from the Corinthian church and distributing that offering to those in need. This kind of accountability and transparency should be done openly and not secretly. Well, let's close with our Bible verse for the month of August. It's the last day of August. May it be a blessed day for you. And tomorrow we'll have a new verse. But for today, we close out with 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6, which says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Well, thank you for listening, friends. Good day to you, and Godspeed.